What's going on, everybody? Golf Card Strategy Show. I'm Paul Hickey, and I've got my man Mike Lacusta in the house, the golf card collector on Instagram, golf underscore card underscore collector. He's the brains behind the show here, Golf Card Strategy Show. <laughs> Holding up, is that, a, is that a tiger? Yeah, that's a tiger lenticular. I might uh, show off some cards in today's episode because I just got a big shipment. Nice. That's exciting. Well, you have to walk us through that. Um, good to see you, Mike. Uh, good, to, good to see all of you, audience. And uh, if you guys drop any questions into the chat, we'll take them. Otherwise, we've got a great show agenda here today. We've got Mike's going to talk, talk us through some of his losses, some of his wins, buys, sells, watch list. Maybe a little QA if we have some time. Uh, I still have not bought any golf cards, so I am not much of a golf card investor yet, more of a uh, spectator, spectator sport. Cardboard Richard in the house. Cardboard Richard, what's up? He's the co-host of the Hockey Card Strategy Show with me here on the NoOffSeason.com Sports Card Conference. Fellow Network. Canadian. Fellow Canadian, that's right, representing Cardboard Richard. Good to see you. Um, all right, Mike, let's get into it, man. What do you What do you want to say before we get into the losses? What, what's like your overview here? Man, it's an exciting time for golf. Um, the PGA Championship just wrapped up, and Mr. Brooks Kepka brought home the win. That is major number five for him. To put that into perspective, he now has more major championships than Rory McIlroy, which That's is crazy. It's unreal. Um, on the flip side, I believe Rory has a lot more PGA wins, um, like actual uh, professional wins, because Brooks, out of his 12 career wins five of them are majors so he's um definitely an above average player um winning a lot but to have five majors that puts him i believe in an exclusive group of like 20 20 golfers all time amazing i'm just looking at his si for kids card raw is up huge um over the last 14 days although it's it's actually up big Maybe because of his master's performance, it's, it, it oh, looks yeah. like it's just been up big for a while. To, to put that in perspective, I mean, just recently, um, somebody in the golf cards and memorabilia Facebook group posted, I think it was like six or seven different flags, autographed uh, golf flags for sale. Um, Brooks, he was asking for $1,000. All of the other ones, including John Rahm, who's the world number one variety of, of other big names he was only asking 300 dollars each so right now brooks is hot crazy yeah john rom i mean I'm, I'm a big fan of his I, I i like him i think he's i think he's solid but yeah brooks kind of coming out of the whole uh live situation to represent strong in the majors that's a whole other topic but uh cardboard richard we'll get to uh, your questions here in the chat and uh good afternoon to evan bell as well good to see you evan is a loyal audience member potential uh future analyst at nooffseason.com. So good to see him in the house. Um, yeah, so Brooks, uh, big stuff coming off the PGA, strong master's performance. Um, again, Sports Illustrated for Kids 2015, card 407. Raw is up, BGS 9's up. There's not a whole lot of graded copies of this card, though. Like this No, there's probably not. Um, can you hit me with some prices and maybe even yeah, sure. I'll, on, on your screen? I'm going to throw it up here, too. I mean, the base raw is the one that is the most common because, like I said, there's just not a whole lot of graded copies of this. But um, well, you're... it's up It's up 8.5% eight, eight over the last 60 days. 
110% over the last 14 days, 110% over the last seven days. So that's like basically, I think as a result of the, of the, you know, the win, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, the win was only double, a week double, ago, basically, the, so. the, or not even a week ago. Like, what are we on Wednesday? So the win was only like four days ago. Um, but if you think about it, he was leading the Masters going into the final round. Yeah. And, and then he sort of fell apart. And when I say fell, I, I say fell apart loosely because he still came, I think, easily top 10. I forget. I, I think he was uh, top five or something like that. Like, um, so, he had a bad yes. final round, but he's made massive showings in the first two majors of the year. And if he hadn't fall, fallen apart in that final round, because he was leading by like I think one or two strokes in the third round. So, you know, if, if, if that had gone a different way, we could have been looking at Brooks winning the first two majors and, and possibly becoming the first guy to, to win a, a grand slam because Tiger's the only one to hold all four majors at once, but it wasn't all in the same year. It was, he won the PGA, then the U S open, then the open. And then the following year he won the masters. So he won them all in a row, but they weren't all in the same year. Yeah. Um, that would be a lot of hype if he won the first two. So Brooks, just to clarify. So his BGS nine, sold uh basically on sunday sunday the 21st so that sold on sunday for six hundred dollars it hadn't sold Whoa. previously to that <laughs> so the, the um but the base sold uh yesterday so two days after the win uh sold for 65 dollars. its previous sale was uh previous sale like in in the last year was uh half of that so it did double in, in price after the win just and you might that. you might look at this card and you might say gosh he's got so much hype around him right now i don't want to touch this card and 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 to be fair um he did just win the pga he kind of came out of nowhere because nobody's been talking about him for a year we're in the middle of the golf season so generally golf prices would be high so I, i'm inclined to sort of agree with that however this is his only card. He does not have any upper deck cards. He doesn't have any leaf cards, whereas most other golfers do. So he only has Sports Illustrated for kids. And when you look at his his career, like I, I was listening to Card Talk, shout out to Tyler, who gave a really nice um, uh, 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 little, little thing about Brooks. So he isn't one of these live players who who took a lot of flack going to live from the PGA because he was coming off a year or two of really bad injuries. Like his knee was wrecked. His both of his knees were wrecked. His back was hurting and he had kind of been at Mount Everest and just completely tumbled down going a couple of years without, um, without a win. I think he, maybe he had one win, but he was, he was missing cuts. He was worried about his health. And if you watch the full swing documentary, he was mentally just not confident, really uneasy. And so some of the guys like Bryson Shambo, who had a little bit of that backstory, but not as much, um, or, or some of the other, like uh, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, who went from PGA playing hot, really good golf. Mm -hmm. They have a lot um, to answer. A lot of those questions, you know, it's all about the money, blah, blah, blah. Brooks Kepka had to take that olive branch from Liv to stay in the game. Like, he, he, he wasn't at risk of losing his card the year he switched, but if he stuck around for another year or two, he might have, um, ignoring the fact that he had, um, you know, the majors, under, a couple of majors under his belt. Um, so he, he was just not in a good place. And so 
for him to come from that far down in the valley to just back at the pinnacle contending at the masters and winning the PGA championship. I mean, he's, he's, he, he deserves high prices and he deserves a lot of praise. Yeah. Good points there. And I like what you said about like, don't necessarily count this card out. Like it does. Cause I think smart, smart sports card investors tend to avoid anything that's jumped up in price based on a performance spike and they want to buy back in later. But I do think there are certain scenarios and this is what's interesting about golf, right? Because we're going to like next, next episode, we'll probably do more of like a straight up top ways to make money flipping golf cards. Cause we, we haven't really got there yet. We've talked like episode seven, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're seven episodes in now. So we're, we've kind of eased our way into like a lot of different golf, golf card related topics. But one thing I'm noticing about just following the market is that you do kind of have to maybe ride, ri- like, ride the wave of, of the hot streak to try to make money because like when a golfer's hot, they're hot. And when they're not <laughs> the point you just made about Brooks, like they can struggle for a while. And mm-hmm. so the, the fact that he's winning uh, and he only has the one card, I would, I agree with you. I, I think it's smart to not necessarily rule out that card. That card could be a way, could be one of the top five ways to make money flipping golf cards for the rest of the year. Cause if he comes back and plays well in the last, in the final two majors of the year, which there's no reason to think he won't, then that, that card should keep going up. So it's one card, easy to e- easy to make a decision there. If you want to invest in Brooks, that's the way to go. The other thing I like about that card is that um, Brooks is not a rookie who we anticipate other companies are going to be releasing cards of his in the next few years. He, 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 I, I would be shocked if Upper Deck includes him in any of their future releases. I doubt that Leaf is going to get him to sign anything or to, to even print his cards. So that really just leaves the one Sports Illustrated for Kids card. I think at worst, maybe he'll have some other Sports Illustrated for Kids cards printed that probably won't be worth anything. But at the end of the day, his, yeah. his rookie SI for Kids is, is the card. It, now, if I were to draw a comparison to another sport, Victor Weminyama in basketball, I mean, his Sports Illustrated for Kids are selling ludicrous amounts of money. Like yeah. I think the PSA 8 sold for like twenty. $500 or something ridiculous. So he, that's something I would stay away from. This is a PSA t- seven of it right here. Holy smokes. <laughs> that is, that is huge. So if, if I were in your shoes, I, I would probably be wanting to look at selling that card selling before, yeah. before anything big comes out because um, it, it, there's going to be um, not, what's that? There's, there's like a college uniform product for basketball that's coming out. It just came yeah, out. Yeah, Bowman Bowman University. Bowman University. There's going to be like a prism. There's going to be probably Topps Chrome in a couple of years. There's going to be tons of Victor Weminyana cards coming out. Yeah. And so when you look at, and and I think people who are collecting or or investing in in sports cards might look at SI for kids and they think about it exactly like that. The card that first comes out, you make a bunch of money and then it just crashes. And um, will the Brooks Cup card crash? Possibly, right? But it has a lot going for it compared to what you might think about that card from other sports. I love doing this show with you. And, and one, one of the many reasons why is because like you, you just validated what I just said on, I have, some, I, I just launched this thing called the overflow show. So shameless plug, it's the premium, it's the premium members only podcast. So uh, it's, and basically it's like, it's all this extra stuff that I just don't, have a lot of time to get to in the other free shows, but it also like opens up 
a little bit more to my world of like how I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm kind of showing my eBay account and different things like that with the audience and, and like how I'm making different plays. And one of the points I just made was that you have to treat and there's like 30 minutes of the overflow show today that I posted was strictly on SI for kids and how when you buy the SI for kids, a $20 a year subscription, it's one of the greatest um, plays you can make in sports cards for a lot of reasons. But um, I, I did literally say that you have to treat the golf car. You have to treat the golf cards in SI for kids, even the one, even the legacy ones like the Kepkas, the Scheffler from 2017, all of those, they have to be treated differently than the Wembenyamas, than the Caitlin Clarks, than, you know, the other, because those, you know, men's and women's basketball players will end up having so many more cards produced of them. Um, but, but the golfers won't necessarily. So mm -hmm. I think that like you, I, I totally, I feel great about myself that you said that mm -hmm. without, you know, that I, I had that, that hypothesis as well, just because like Scheffler, like, you know, he's got like a 2021 SI for kids is his only other card other than his 2017 SI for kids. So, um, it's just that one for both of those guys. So somebody right? like Scheffler on the flip side, he is like number two in the world, super yeah. young, super hot. Um, I think that Upper Deck, Leaf, those kind of companies could very well and should get get Scheffler should and have his cards. And and if that happens, Upper Deck's going to release a rookie class. Scheffler's going to be the, the the front runner in that class. And then that SI for kids could take a bit of a dip. Um Maybe it won't though, because what we really consider I mean, that as, he, as he Tiger's to, true rookie card. That's true. Yeah, I think you and I are totally like-minded on this. Like, you know, LeBron's trades for like ninety dollars tops right now, and that's because mm -hmm. LeBron has so many cards. So you're absolutely mm -hmm. right about the Wembenyama comparison. And then in terms of um, like Scheffler, though, the point I kind of made uh, in the Overflow show is like he he sh it shouldn't drop when Upper Deck comes out with a card from him, but it. it it shouldn't drop as drastically as like LeBron's did, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely not going to stay valuable like the way Tigers has. It'll fall somewhere in the, in the middle, right? In golf, there's a staying, more of a staying power for SI for kids than there is in other sports. And what the comparison I was really making was between Scheffler and Brooks, because and Brooks. Okay, yeah. I don't think Brooks is going to get any other cards. I think that's it. Whereas that's Scheffler, Upper Deck would be crazy not to, to sign him. So, um, yeah. Anyways, that's really cool, fun to talk about. Let, let's move on though, because I got so many fun things to talk about. Yeah. Let's move, sound, get into losses. Good. Oh my shoes! What's up, man? Good to see you in the comments. Uh, we'll talk. We'll shoes. We'll talk later about all your basketball references, man. Um, <laughs> this is the golf card strategy show. All right, Mike. Let's get into your losses, man. What do you want to cover here? So, um, as a collector, my losses aren't normally like, "Hey, I bought this for this amount, sold it for this amount," because that's not really. Right. I I do play that game a little bit, but like, I, if I'm selling something, it's just because I don't have enough money to buy other stuff I want to buy. Um, so the losses I've got are, for one, I have, I've been involved with Com C, and they have a glitch on their back end connection to eBay. So if you win an auction on eBay, you can sort of like port it into your ComC account and they never actually ship the card. They just digitally move it from this original uh, consigner's account to your purchaser's account. And so I won it. I transferred the card on the ComC website, but they didn't mark the auction as sold on eBay. So then I got a non-payment strike. So then I was trying to buy another card and it said I, would, I wasn't allowed to buy the card because I had too many non-payment strikes. And I'm like, what? 
what the hell is going on? So I like contacted eBay. They told me and I contacted Con C. It took like a couple days to resolve it. And the card I wanted was a um, 2021 Upper Deck Metal Universe Champions Tiger Woods Gold out of 25 Arc Weld insert. A super cool card. Um, and I didn't miss the, the, the purchase because of all this was going on, but it sort of disrupted my communications with the seller. And a few days later, the card did sell. And I had sent out an offer once I finally got my non-payment strike resolved because I did pay for the card on the ComC platform. And um, yeah, the seller accepted an offer from somebody else. Um, but yeah, uh, that was kind of a, well, I guess that's two losses. One yeah. is a freaking, so I, I ended up getting the non-payment strike removed through eBay. And then um, the Arc Weld card, I mean, that's the second loss is, is I missed out on a card I was really looking forward to having. And it's sold, I think, five times in the last six months. So there's only 25 copies. I don't know where the other five are. Or hopefully one of the five purchases is a flipper who's going to end up selling it to me. But <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe there's more meat on the bone for that flipper now that, that you didn't get it the first time around. But um, yeah, that definitely sucks as a collector. And that's a good example of a loss. Um so let me ask you this though, real quick. Uh, when you say non-payment strike, is that something that ComC gives you because they because of their integration with eBay? Like, are are they the ones that are monitoring? No, it's eBay. Not you're paying? Okay, so, so, so why have, have I never ever... heard of an eBay non-payment strike then? Because I've been calling for eBay to penalize people. Because you're too pay. you're too too good of a player. So not like, eBay does penalize uh, bidders, or, okay. or if you buy something through auction or buy it now and you don't pay for it and then seven days elapse and the seller cancels it um and and they put the reason for cancellation of non-payment um ebay puts a mark on your account and uh, as a seller within your settings you can um there's a toggle switch or, or something like that you can put so that uh, nobody's allowed to bid on your auctions if they have a non-payment strike and so that's what this other seller had done in their settings so that's why i couldn't send them an offer Gotcha. Um, you can have that, uh, so you can limit it so that people can bid if they only have one non-payment strike, but if they have two, they can't touch your stuff. Um, oh, so you can do that as a seller. So I can do yeah, that. Yeah. You can do uh, that. I need to start doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Carlson cards on YouTube has a little bit of a tutorial on how to do that. Cause it's not super intuitive in your settings. Great. Great. That's good stuff. Okay, cool. Well, that's a win. So thanks for that win for me. What are your mm -hmm. wins? So I told you guys I'm collecting a few sets. I got my diamonds relics taken care of. By the way, I got a couple of them in my recent ship my cards. There's nice. the Colin Morikawa. So we got there Colin Morikawa right here. And then we got Lexi Thompson. Lexi's a single diamond. Colin's a triple diamond. Um, and so anyways, I mentioned that before already, but no, I... I uh, completed my Matthew Wolf PMG rainbow. So this is the one I'm most excited about. Feast your eyes. Here's the one of one purple. I get a good uh, light. One of one. Purple one of one PMG. Yep. And see uh, so there, there's the one of one. And then I've got just in my hands here, I've got like some of the other parallels. So this is out of, out of a hundred, out of uh, 150, out of 75. And then uh, the out of 25, which is blue, and the out of 10, which is green, are sitting in my ComC account right now. I'll end up shipping those home someday soon. I won that on auction for like 80 something dollars US. 
Um, it's one of the, I overpaid for it. I honestly, I think the market value for that specific card is probably like 40, 50 bucks for the PMG green, but I pay my guess what my max bid was. I'm going to get, so you wanted at 80, you said, yeah. So I will guess that your max bid was like one Oh two sixty three or something okay. like that. So, so I already had the one of one. I already had the out of 25. I already had all the other PMGs. So this is, this is the difference between an investor and a collector. This I was like that, a one of one for you then. For me, it's okay. a one because I've never yeah. seen it pop up in the, in the year and a half that this set's been out and there's only 10 copies and it's what I needed to finish the rainbow. So originally I put $175 as my max bid and I okay. had it on, on the snipe snipe tool. So of course I'm not going to put max bid right into eBay right away. So I have my snipe tool going. I put 175 two days later, I upped it to 225 because I just, I'm like, I don't want to lose this. And then yeah. the day that the auction was ending, I bumped it up to 285 just in case. And then 10 minutes leading up to the auction, I had on my phone, I was watching the timer tick down. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put it at 333 because I just, no matter what, I don't want someone to, to get this out of my hands. So if there was another collector doing the exact same thing as me, one of us would have gotten screwed. But those are the prices that collectors pay. Wow, that's super interesting. Um, I love that story. And I'm glad that you didn't have to pay that for it. But I totally understand <laughs> the thought process of like, what you would have gone through mentally had you not gotten the card. So I'm glad that you uh, put that safety net in there for you. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, all right, cool. So great. So I'm excited. Actually, for many reasons, I'm excited to hear about a grading submission with with uh, that falls under your win of the week. Do you want to talk about that next? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. And by the way, before I actually show you the cards, I'll mention um, in a past episode, I talked about how there is a bit of an announcement from PSA that they were going to be tracking serial numbered graded, graded cards. So if you submitted number two out of 25 of this PMG Matthew Wolf and it got a seven, I cracked it, resubmitted it. They would say, hey, we've seen the serial number before. No chance at an eight. You just automatically get a seven again. Um, and, and I mentioned this to that, in a, in a comment again on Carlson cards YouTube channel. And he does a lot of PSA submissions and he actually said that uh, PSA has sort of been threatening this for a long time. And that um, uh, he, he does like massive PSA submissions and uh, he hasn't seen that actually taking effect yet. And so even mm -hmm. if they say they're doing it, you know, he's suggesting keep cracking that card and trying to get a better grade. If you truly think the grade, the card deserves a better grade. Um, so with that said, so I just wanted to let, let that know, just in case our listeners were taking my past advice on face yeah. value. Okay, um, that's good to know. Hey, before you jump into the, can I ask a quick question related? How did you um, submit to being in Canada? You live in Canada. How did you, how do you submit to PSA? Do you just submit directly to PSA card.com and, and ship it in that way and right. pay so whatever in, you paid to get it? Or do you do some kind of workaround? Uh, both. So in the past, I've I've done bulk submitters. Um, I was using Nash cards actually out of out of Nashville, mm -hmm. and um, and that that was going fine. But then PSA kept coming out with collectors club pricing levels that were kind of too good to be true because I had you know a bunch of cards I wanted to get graded with PSA at the bulk tier level. So um, I ended up becoming a collectors club member, and so I submit directly to PSA.com. Um, you know, cost me a little bit more to ship my cards to the U.S. Um, and then on the flip side, um, once, once they're done with the grading, I have them ship it to my ship my cards account rather than directly back to me, because if they ship it back directly to me, I mean, if, if there's any, uh, us customs or Canadian customs brokers listening, 
uh, earmuffs. Don't don't listen. But like, I don't want to get hit with giant uh, tariffs or whatever um, for the the you know multi uh, more than a thousand dollars worth of grading fees that I paid them. Um, you know, I'd probably end up having to pay five or ten percent taxes on that, depending probably probably even more because they would have service fees and stuff for customs. So, um, so instead I end up getting charged, uh, five to $10 us for ship my cards to receive my graded package. And then I just ship it back home with any other cards I've been sending to ship my cards. So it doesn't really affect my return shipping too, too much. The box I received, I made a video, I've got a crappy YouTube channel where I, I upload unboxings. Um, I don't really have any interesting content where i talk about stuff but i just i put I get boxes i i reveal my my grades that kind of fun stuff so check it out that's um golf card collector is the name of my youtube channel and i pulled out a box it's literally the heaviest box of cards i've ever held in, in like a mail shipment because it had uh two psa submissions and four or five months worth of cards i had been buying and accumulating okay so is it like cards that you'll buy so Cards that you buy on ComC or or eBay or anywhere else, if they're if they're American sellers, you're shipping them to ship my cards, and then you're doing a regular PSA submission the way that anybody else would, but your shipping address is the ship my cards. The return the return shipping address is uh, from PSA to to your ship my cards account, and then essentially you'll just make a decision at some point to have a bunch of them all shipped to you at your exactly. home address. And so as a, I actually cringe whenever I see Americans posting on like sports card nonsense uh, Facebook group saying, oh, I had eBay authentication. I had to wait two weeks to get my card. Here yeah. I am in Canada sitting four months, five months to get my card that I bought in January. Yeah. Uh, a prime yeah. example of that is this um, Tony Finau PMG Blue out of 25. I mentioned this card. I bought this and sh- and and talked about it. And I believe in episode one of the golf card strategy show. Yeah, I remember. And I didn't even have it in my hands until <laughs> this past weekend. That is the kind of pain that Canadian collectors have to go through. So cards like that, I can't do quick flips. I'm just getting them as a collector. I do season long flips. If that's the purpose of buying something yeah. or, you know, and multi-year flips. <laughs> yeah. My quick flips were, all through PWCC. So I, when I was in Spain, so I would buy ship to PWCC and then list on eBay or wherever. And then if I'd sell it, I'd have PWCC ship it. And then there were like three, like, I guess two full years. I literally never saw any of I never held any of my cards in my hand ever. They were just, yeah. <laughs> but then, but, the, but the, the thing about that is, I mean, there's so many different fees that they take off the top. Anyway, I know that the audience is dying to actually hear about <laughs> this PSA submission. Sorry, Mike, that was my fault. Let's get into your submission. So the first item as a PSA Collectors Club member, you get this book. <laughs> and the reason I show off this book is it's kind of a funny story. I put my ship my cards address as my ship my cards account, or sorry, my PSA return shipment address as ship my cards. And they sh- send out, first of all, this like big book when you're a member. And then they send like a bi-monthly magazine subscription. Yeah. And as a Canadian, I'm entitled to get shipment of all those magazines and books and stuff for free like to Canada. So that's, that's awesome. That's a good, but I accidentally had my ship my cards account. So they, they started shipping these books and magazines and stuff to my ship my cards account. I was getting charged every time they received something. So that was kind of a bummer. But um, I learned as soon as they received the book, I was like, Oh crap, I got to mess around with my PSA settings so that 
you know, only my greatest submissions <laughs> right. go, go show up there. So let's get into it. I got like a, a 20 card submission um, for sports cards and then a 39 card submission for Pokemon cards. Uh, that was my childhood co collection. I'm not going to go through Pokemon. If anybody who is interested, um, I could do a little video and throw it up on my personal YouTube channel. But out of the 20 cards, here's a stack of golf cards that I'll show off. Um, if anybody wants to see the basketball and UFC cards, again, I'll throw something up on my personal channel. We'll start off with two cards that I am ecstatic about. That is a Tiger Woods and a Colin Morikawa Cosmic Blue out of 99. I've talked about this set a lot. I love it. I'm collecting the whole set in golf cards. Both of these got Gem Min 10s. The reason I'm so happy that they both got Gem Min 10s, I'm not selling them, so I don't care about value. But there's two versions of the Cosmic Parallels in Goodwin Champions. There's the base card, which kind of has a, a, a label like that, or just says Goodwin Champions at the top. And then there's the Gaudi version, which has Gaudi at the top. I already had the Gaudi Tiger Woods in a PSA 10. Now I have the base Cosmic PSA 10. I already had the base Morikawa PSA 10. Now I have the Gaudi Morikawa PSA 10. So I've got out of the Tiger and Colin, I've got both versions, both in PSA 10. So that's that's like, in, as a collector, you put together these little subsets. They're not, they're not real sets. Like it's not a proper set collector with a checklist. But you identify some cards you really like, that, like a style that you like and multiplayers that you like, and you try and like bundle them all together as like a personal partial set. And yeah. so for me, I completed that with these two cards. Very cool. Okay, moving on to something that's a little bit more of a flip. Um, uh, we haven't talked much about Daniel Berger. I mentioned him before. I picked up two of his Goodwin Champions rookie autographs. Uh, I believe this is 2016. So this is the exact same card as like the Justin Thomas rookie autograph from that year. The, the Justin Thomas sells for a couple hundred bucks, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, PSA 10 of the JT was selling for like a thousand bucks or more um, at the height of, um, you know, 2021-ish. So the reason I have two of these, and, and by the way, they both got gem in 10. So yeah, I'm wow. pumped about You're that. on fire with the grades. I am, I know. Um Daniel Berger um, was rookie of the year in 2016. And so I don't remember if that's exactly the same year that Justin Thomas was considered a rookie on the PGA, but like for him to beat out all the other new players and to get rookie of the year that year and uh, means obviously he's the kind of guy who had a lot of hype. He's the kind of guy people are talking about um, seven years ago. He's been injured. So about his last time he actually swung a golf club was a year and a half ago. And he's kind of getting towards the end of his recovery. And he's he's been talking with the porters. He's been saying, I'm ready to to join um, you know, the tournaments again. I want to play again. I start from scratch. He's like, he used to be uh, 20th in the world. Now he's, you know, whatever, 100th something in the world um, or probably like 500th in the world. So when he finally makes his debut return and starts stacking up some top 10s, maybe even wins a tournament or two, I'm pretty sure his PSA 10 rookie autograph and he, he doesn't have any other upper deck cards. Like this is it. Um, I think this is going to be worth something. So I picked these up for between 10 and $15 us each and $19 to grade them. So I've got, I don't know, what is that? $35 into each card. So I feel like once he makes his return, if he, if he were to win a tournament, I could probably sell those for a hundred bucks each. I would think. That would be great. Great play. Let me ask you this. So you four for four on 10 on, on the gem rate so far. So uh, 
did you buy these cards in person or like, did you, I mean, did you have an eye on the grade? Uh, or, you know, did you, or, cause I, it's extremely hard to buy them online and, and yeah. get good grades. Right. So yeah. yeah. No, good, good question. Both of these Daniel burgers I bought off of eBay okay. from um, private sellers. One of them was a consigner, but it wasn't one of the big name consigners. The other one was just from a private seller. Um, the Morikawa and the Tiger. The thing about those ones is that I own a ton of the Cosmic cards. Like I've got a stack of them. I think we were talking about that last episode. And so I, I could be a little more picky. And like if I had, I, I've got like six of each of the Tigers. So if I grade the nicest looking copy, it's probably going to get a 10. The Morikawa was a little luckier. I have one or two copies of each version. So I picked the nicest one and, and luck. fortunately enough, got a 10 on both of them. Um, so to answer your question, I am buying the cards online. Um, and some of them I get lucky. Other ones, I buy a bunch of copies. I grade the best looking one. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. However, on this admission, I got the nice grader at PSA. I've heard people <laughs> talk about like this, this phantom grader who gives all tens. And I, I may have gotten him or her on this submission i didn't get all tens but um i guess spoiler alert I, I got i got one psa eight and it wasn't even on my card it was on my friend's card who wanted to add it to my submission and i got three psa nines and 16 tens oh my god that's the best gem rate i've ever heard out of an individual submission anecdotally yeah. like that that's crazy. and i i hyper analyze cards before i grade them and i mean this is probably gonna rub some people the wrong way but i also like clean them really well like i have the kurtz card care package so if there's some kind of surface looking stuff that doesn't look nice i'll put kurtz polish on it and i'll rub it around wipe it down breathe on it wipe it put some more polish on it so it doesn't get rid of scratches it doesn't um you know add any material to the card but you do lose grades if there's like clouding on the chromium looking card or you know, corners of a card. If it looks a little bit frayed, I'll put like some moisture on my, my finger and just kind of like make it look a little more square. So I, I'm a little meticulous that way. And it's to me, it's part of the hobby. I'm not doing it because I want to alter a card and get a better grade. I'm doing it because I've got a card that I think is worth a 10 and it looks slightly imperfect in somewhere. And there's something I could just slightly touch and make it look nicer. I'm not trimming the card. I'm not adding color. I'm not adding wax or anything like that to the card. But if, if I could do something, like I'm not squeezing cards and screw downs or anything, but if I can, you know, slick up the card and make it look nicer, then I will. Love um, it. Love to it. be fair, and, and, and another thing I'll say too is I've got like 50 other cards sitting in a stack that I want to grade with PSA. So if I sent in 20, it's the top 20 that I either thought we're going to get for sure get 10s or that I, I really wanted to get graded. Makes sense. Okay, cool. Love that information. I think that information is always really valuable to the audience. Our audience is all about grading. And, and so I might try the Kurt. I've seen Kurt's card care stuff on Instagram. I think they have interesting posts where it's like the before and after. So I'm thinking of maybe, especially since you just said that you've used that, I might give that a try. So so I found that it works really well for Pokemon cards. For, for, for sports cards, it's kind of been hit and miss for me. Okay. Um, so... Uh, as I mentioned, you know, I'm a collector. So three more cards that I will not be uh, not be selling. These are the Diamond Relics I told you about. The Jack Nicholas, the Tiger Woods, and Palmer, Ar Arnold Palmer. So uh, you probably can't see the, the grades as I'm, as I'm showing them on the screen. You're probably itching to know what they are. So I'll start with Jack. Jack got a PSA 9. So I'm super pumped about that these are super th these are thick cards like 150 point cards 
So um, to get a nine is phenomenal. Tiger got a nine. So I am floored about that. I saw a guy with an eight Tiger. I think it was like pop one and he was trying to sell it for a ridiculous amount of money. So I now have a higher grade than that guy. That's awesome. Possibly pop one, none higher. I don't know, but I haven't looked it up. Um, I'll probably look up the cert later when you're talking. Um, (laughs) And then last and certainly not least, a 10 on Mr. Palmer. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So two nines and a 10 on the big cards. And then lastly, uh, the last golf card I graded in that submission. Uh, This one was really cool. So it's a Sergio Garcia Leaf autographed one of one PSA 10. That is sweet. And you can see the one of one right there. That is a very cool card. Yeah. So, yeah, hell of a submission. Um, I wish my Pokemon submission went as well. I got a lot more sevens and eights and a six and some eights, nines, and tens. If they were from your childhood, though, that's, uh, I guess, to be expected. If any of them were actually your collection. But similarly, I've got, like, a massive Pokemon collection. So I picked the top 39 cards, and I I was pretty careful. Like, I kept the stuff in sleeves. And I guess the stuff I was sliding in and out of the binder wouldn't be in Gem Mint 10, but... um, Anyways, yeah, that's that's a that's a PSA submission, and um, I know we're we, we don't have time to keep talking on and on and on about my cards, but like I, I'm just gonna like kind of sh- tilt my camera down. Like if you see see all these cards here, like th- this is not even a dent in the the submission that I got returned to me from ship my cards, but these are just the golf cards, and I'll just quickly show some of them off. Like Justin Rose, for example, I picked up three of his rookie autograph cards so that's one where like i'll keep one and then sell the other two um bryson dechambeau was leading the pga championship after the first round and uh, a couple of cards we've talked about in the past i can finally show them to you there's that exquisite rookie auto i love that design beauty and signature so then here's another one of his signatures the bgs 85 artifacts i remember online yeah numbered out of out of 10 so that those two are, are absolute huge cards for me i already showed you the matthew wolf cards i already showed you the diamond relics here's that michael jordan uh april fool's card yeah yeah csg7 cool. sports illustrator for kids um john daly's talk about one of ones this is the coolest one i i, I saw that on your instagram post earlier yeah, that is a cool with the, card with the sick patch yep and then, you know, a couple of uh, wrap up, you know, here's that tall boy Tiger Woods where it's the reprint of his rookie image card. And then, yeah. you know, that BGS 95 and, you know, one of his uh, master's collection cards numbered like 200. So anyways, it was like Christmas for me last weekend when I ripped open that box and uh, got a couple hundred, like probably 100 to 200 cards, big cards for, for my collection. That's awesome. Let us know in the comments if you've got any PSA grade reveal stories. And uh, certainly don't forget to submit them for the Sports Card Strategy Show and Tell. Um, Mike did a great submission a couple weeks ago. And so uh, if you guys have anything you want to share along the lines of what Mike just shared, we'd love to have have you. Just email me at paul at nooffseason.com. Hey, real quick, Mike, before we go to buys, um, Cardboard Richard's been in the chat. He's got a couple comments. Quickly, if you can, he says, walk us through some Tiger Woods cards. He wants to pick up his first. He's been after a signature kicks Tiger Ooh. Woods. No idea where to find one. They look cool. I'm not sure if it's a good investment, though. I feel like I saw yeah. one of these online. I wrote about one of these recently. 
Uh, yeah, those are going to be really hard to find. So the signature kicks was a a, a very uh, short printed card uh, for Goodwin Champions. I want to say it was like 2019 or 2020. I don't I don't think it was released in multiple years. It might have been two years, but um, essentially they took a pair of shoes, possibly not associated with Tiger Woods at all. Like it might have been a brand new pair of of, of Nike golf shoes. Um, they cut them up and put them as the relic inside of a patch auto card. So that's why they're called signature kicks is that it's shoes, a relic patch, whatever on uh, a Tiger Woods autographed card. And I want to say there's only like five or 10 of that card. So it's extremely rare. I would venture to say that it's probably sitting with some collector right now or, or some um, big, big investor. Um, I don't know the value. I've never actually seen comps. I've never seen the sale on that particular card, but um, I would venture to say if it were to get thrown up on eBay on auction, it would I'll sell. tell you actually. So I'll tell you. So um, this is where I've seen it. So I wrote this article for sports card investor, top 10 most valuable upper deck exquisite autograph. So technically this one was an exquisite it's a Goodwin Champions Exquisite from 2019. It is a signature kicks auto raw sold for 5,500 best offer accepted on February 20th, 2023. So I don't know if this is the one, if this is the type of signature kicks that you get that you and Cardboard Rich is talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there it is right there. What 5, was the best offer accepted? Best offer accepted was the 55. It was, uh, it, it was the, the, the price that it went for was 5500 Okay, okay. Yeah, so so, so exquisite in the sense that um, like this this Bryson DeChambeau rookie card is an exquisite rookie auto, but it was inserted into the Goodwin Champion set. Yeah. Exquisite, for those of you who know Upper Deck, um, in the past has been like a standalone set. Like so a, a, a box of ex- exquisite would have only like five cards or something ridiculously small like that. Um, so it's the kind of product you would typically like buy into breaks for rather than buying a box for $1,200 and you only get four cards and, and, you know, you can get totally whiffed. Um, so, uh, if for those, if anybody from upper deck is listening, come out with a 2023 or 2024 dedicated exquisite golf set. Yeah. Um, I was messaging with somebody who works at upper deck and he was asking for feedback and even even kind of alluded to that but not not in a way that like we're doing it but in a way of like would that be something that would be interesting like what would you be interested in new sets with our other properties such as artifacts or exquisite or whatever so yeah if those are you were listening print give us another set of exquisite golf so uh do you happen to know if there are, are any other nike swoosh relic cards for tiger off the top of your head or would we have to do a little bit of research on that and get back to Richard? There are, there are, there are. So actually, um, Richard, is it you who is messaging me on Instagram? Um, I think, I think it might've been, we'll we'll see if he comments. Um, Somebody was messaging me today on Instagram, uh, showing me some screenshots of Nike swoosh or other like Tiger Woods logo. Cause the TW like embedded on each other is Tiger Woods's actual symbol um not not the swoosh that's a nike logo um and and so my advice to that person was to to throw up a post on facebook on the golf cards and memorabilia facebook group um and somebody there out of our 1500 members or more um 
will either get back to you with a card that they would consider selling probably at a high price because the logo demands a lot on a patch card. Um, or, you know, you'll probably get some people commenting saying, Hey, we never see these. There you go. There's the Nike logo. Um, but yeah, th those command like five to 10 X of a typical patch card. Like if I could buy a Tiger Woods, just generic patch card for 50 bucks, you'd be looking at, you know, two, three, four, $500 on the patch card with the Nike swoosh, depending on condition, if it's serial numbered, all those sorts of things. Cool. Richard says it wasn't him on Instagram, but he might have. He thinks he's messaged you on Facebook before. Uh, good stuff. Glad we're glad we're hitting that topic because Richard's not the only one interested in it. Um, but uh, I'm certain Mike will comment on more Tiger Woods cards throughout the rest of the episode. So Richard, stay tuned. Um, all right, buys. Mike, what happened with the Morikawa thing? Here's for the that, audience. That's the audience on you. Not, does not know this so mike <laughs> okay fair enough but let me explain so so i mike emailed me and he's like because we've talked about how i like colin morikawa i would buy a, a nice colin morikawa card especially from someone who you know mike you know if, if I, I like to you know i think we all get the warm and fuzzies if you if, if you kind of know the person secondhand or even if it's like a even if it's like someone that a friend kind of knows but just was talking to on facebook you, you still kind of get the like warm and fuzzy so i got kind of excited i was like mike said he, the, this guy could give me like maybe, maybe a little bit of a small deal on a nice morikawa card that i was interested in the price was right in my range i i messaged so mike hooked us up the guy messaged me on facebook and i said i'm interested because so mike and i had an email exchange and we threw out kind of a price and then when the guy messaged me on Facebook, he was kind of like, what's up, man? What are we doing with this Morikawa card? And I messaged him back and said, email me photos and the price that you're thinking. Or like, tell me what, you know, like mm. if you're the seller, tell me what the card costs and, you know, what, like pictures of it. And then we'll go from there. And the, and I never heard anything from the guy. He goes, so I don't know if, okay. I, if I missed it or what, but um, so I was I ready know. and I, I never heard back from him. I don't know how quickly you guys got back to each other on that, but um, just to give you some backstory. So this is Victor. So shout out Victor. Um, he yeah, he yeah. had a, a sort of a family emergency and had to, uh, to, to, to um, free up some funds. So uh, he was selling a few of his Morikawa cards. Victor's a big Morikawa collector. And so he hit me up and um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't in a position to buy the card at the time, but I thought of you because you were considering Morikawa for your first card pickup. So, um, so, so that's why I kind of put you guys in touch, but um, probably about an hour or two after I first let you know about that, he also threw up a post in our Facebook group and said, um, you know, Hey guys, uh, I got to move this pretty quickly. Is there anybody who's interested? Because I think he, he did that before he heard back from you. So um, he did sell the card. Um, what I suspect happened is, you know, in, in like the hour or so that I took for, you know, um, emails and, um, Facebook messages to come through, somebody else probably replied to his post right away and was like, yep, I'll take it. And they probably gave him his asking price. Cause I think you probably got 25 bucks off or, you know, something like that. I think I was so, going to get a deal. I definitely yeah. don't. I, d I definitely don't. I just think it's funny. My, you know, I, everyone's different. And I, get so my thing is like, so he says, um, Hey Paul, what are we thinking on the Colin? And I say, 
nice to meet you. Can you please email me at paul at nooffseason.com about the Collins? So I'm kind of expecting mm. him to send photos and say, here's what I'm thinking on the price, blah, blah, blah. I totally yeah. get that he would throw it in the Facebook group though. So it's yeah. all good. But anyway, just, I did, I, I probably, it's probably good for both of us though, because if he got more than what I was going to pay him for, that's certainly the move. I will never, ever be mad at anyone for taking more money <laughs> than, than what and, I would offer them for anything. So good for, good for Victor on that one. The other thing I'll say too, is you never know what, somebody on the other side of the screen is doing like I get yeah. messages all the time. Cause I've got Facebook marketplace uh, listings. I've got eBay listings. And if it takes me like an entire day to get back to somebody, I'm probably dealing with my toddler. I'm probably working. I'm probably cooking dinner. Like there's so many things going on in life and I might yeah. not be able to answer everything on my phone quick enough. And uh, I know that, that Victor was driving between States and he had to, I think it was a funeral oh, yeah. he had to go to or something. So, but, but the other thing I'll say too, Victor, you are a little bit uh, uh, lackluster with your responses. So Victor, you need to be a friend of the show, man. You're uh, we, we love you here, Victor. I know I, I, I'm glad that we connected. Hopefully, ho hopefully we can uh, help each other out. And um yeah, I totally get it. I mean, personally, not not to talk about this too much, but uh, I prefer eBay for the reasons that you like. Because when I first got into it, I was on, I was all over Facebook, and it was like it was fun, but it just takes so much longer. It's like because you're you're waiting, you are waiting for those things to happen, and there's gaps in communication yeah. with people's schedules, and so it's easier even if you're trying to do something on a Discord or a Facebook group in terms of of, of transaction uh ebay is just um it's an auction or it's a it's mm -hmm. an offer and you just you don't i don't love the the non-personal nature i don't love that you can't really understand who the other person is I, I i do i don't love that as much as i like being at a card show or knowing the person but for the time sake and just like the transactionality and efficiency of it i don't know that's anyway but it's good stuff mm -hmm. so i missed out on the morikara but you made a couple purchases so walk us through what you bought yeah, for sure. So um, I've been smashing buy it now on, on a handful of stuff lately and overspending again. So I got to sell some of the other sports that I've been buying. I, I honestly, I keep most of the golf that I buy, but um, I've gotten some basketball cards graded in UFC. So I'll probably be selling those. Uh, but just to finish off your thought there, I mean, I, I'm, I work in sales for a living. So it's actually kind of fun to negotiate with people. It's fun to throw some some hooks out there, get some bites, kind of go through it and, and get money showing up in your account uh, and not having to pay the fees you stuff on eBay. So I, I actually, I, I like that game. But right yeah. now I just don't have the time for it. So I'm going to take it to the opposite end of the spectrum and say, I'm at a point in my life where I just bundle together 30 cards and I send it off to a consigner. I'm sending it to ComC. They will consign it. And then what ends up happening, they give me a big credit balance on my account. And uh, I think it's like a 7% uh, fee that I pay them to auction my cards. And when I've got my money in the account there, I can then buy cards off of their account if I want. And then, um, you know, all I had to pay on the sale was a 7% fee. And I had a lot more eyes attracted to those auctions than if I were to try and do it myself. Um, however, if I try to cash out and get the money, I think it's like a 10, 10% cash out fee. So then it ends up being a total of a 17%, um, uh, a loss or whatever due to fees, plus the shipping of the cards, plus I've, I'm Canadian, so I have an exchange rate. So, um, but anyways, consigning is kind of where I'm at when it comes to selling, cause I don't have a ton of time. 
Um, but, but we're talking about buying. So um, the cards that I bought lately, I mean, I'll just talk about a couple of them. So um, one of them actually, uh, I've got version of it right here. So this Colin Morikawa Cosmic, um, probably can't see it super well because of the lighting, but um, you know, I told you I've got a couple copies of this already. I've got a PSA 10, here's a raw version. I picked up another one of these for $7.30 or something ridiculously low price. And I, the first one I ever paid for was $69. Uh, second one I paid like $29. I picked one up for like $14. Now I'm paying $7. So I'm hoping it just goes to zero and I can just get them all for free. Um, another pickup was, actually this is a name you probably haven't heard for a long time. I picked up- I know a, this name. Yeah, actually, you've got it on the show notes. A Jim, <laughs> Jim Furyk Leaf yep. autograph card. Uh, I was pretty pumped about that one. I paid $8 uh, US, um, and it was a Canadian auction. So it, I don't have to worry about the whole ship my cards thing. So, uh, you know, domestic shipping for a few bucks within Canada. Um, this is a funny thing, and I, I've got mixed feelings about this because I do it myself. But it's, it's annoying as a Canadian when other Canadians have an auction in US dollars because we <laughs> both get screwed on the exchange rate. So what ends up happening is this, this I bought this card on auction from this guy for $8 US. So I lose uh, like probably 3% or thereabouts, 3 to 5% on foreign exchange because I have to pay him in US dollars. And then he gets paid out by eBay in Canadian dollars, so he also misses out on like five percent foreign exchange. So between the two of us, if he had just listed it in Canadian dollars, we would have had a ten percent swing in, in in total value. Uh, and that's ignoring all the. I feel like you and Cardboard Richard should do a whole segment on this. So we should bring him in and do like a special episode of. So on the flip side, how to do how to do uh, auctions as a Canadian on eBay. Totally. So on the flip side, I get why he or she did it because I sometimes list auctions or, or buy it now on in us dollars because when I'm and I, and I have like super cheap us ship shipping options on my listing. So if an American sees it and they say, okay, it's $50 us and the shipping is a reasonable price. They don't care that it's coming from Canada, but they see their currency. They see a, a reasonable shipping price and they'll buy it. If it's listed for $70 Canadian, even though that's equivalent to like 50 or $55 US, they're less likely to buy it because they're, it just the, 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 the perception that it's coming internationally, they're paying a different, uh, uh, you know, yeah. currency. How, how do you feel like that about that as, as an American when you see auction or buy it nows or auctions in other currencies? Yeah, it's a good question. And it sounds like Cardboard Richard's in for this idea. He commented. So, and I think it's interesting. So, I just bought a card uh, the other night from a Canadian seller and it was fine because I think it was a baseball card. I feel like it was a Jackson Churio 2022 Bowman Sapphire, perhaps if I'm remembering correctly, I was buying, I was looking at him a lot the other night. So it's a good chance. That's what it was. Anyway, it was uh, fine because um, eBay uh converts it for you so you know it's like it might say like 40 dollars. i think it was said like 40 dollars canadian but then when i went to make the offer um it said approximately 33 dollars us or whatever mm -hmm. and then it converts it every step of the way for you even when you're paying it says you know this is what you're paying in us dollars so i didn't see it a, i don't see it as an issue at all and i don't fear like any kind of um uh, you know 
issues from Canadian shipping. Like, you know, but, um, you know, it's interesting. Maybe we'll get some audience feedback on this. Now, if I were to speak to the issue of like, what would I do if I were you guys in Canada? Um, my dilemma would be like the mar the market, like I guess the market size or like how would it show in the search results? Because it's anecdotally bigger market in the US, you know, I mean that I don't have data that says that, but it's anecdotally, way bigger. Yeah. bigger market in the US, right? Um, and so I would probably like, because if it's a higher dollar card, right, then, then in theory, you would be losing more because it's a percentage based scale, right? So I think for lower dollar cards, I might just kind of like not think about it too much and maybe just list it to the bigger market um, and just eat whatever, whatever I have to eat on that. But if it's a higher dollar card, I might consider listing it, especially if it's a hockey or a golf card. Cause I do feel like there's uh, I do feel like anecdotally the, the Canadians I know in the hobby seem to uh, resonate more with the not like the, not as much, not as much necessarily with like basketball or American football cards, but more with like soccer, golf, hockey, for whatever reason, maybe even F1. Um, and I do, I do like regularly speak to a handful of, of like very, very like intense Canadian hobbyists. And so like, I think that for, for, uh, for those, for those higher dollar cards, I might just list them Canadian at first. And then for whatever reason, if it, if it doesn't sell in the time frame or for the, or like, if I'm not getting the offers that I want, um, mm -hmm. I, I probably wouldn't auction it off, but I might list it for like a reasonable price on a, on a buy it now or best offer situation. And if I'm just not getting the bites that I want, then I would open it up to like the larger market. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, here cardboard, Richard's saying uh, something in the chat, he works for slab sharks for Canadian consignments, a lot, a lot mm -hmm. of Canadian collectors eyeing that stuff weekly. So he could bring, I think he could bring definitely some, uh, great. So Slab Sharks is a, they're a Canadian consigner like ComC, except they don't have like a big ComC platform, but, um, you know, Richard, I, I would consider using Slab Sharks if I was more into hockey, because I imagine they get a ton of, of the entire global, market shares eyes because the entire global market share is in canada for hockey yeah um and i'm sure slab sharks gets reasonable returns for um basketball cards because basketball's big in like toronto and some other uh, like calgary and, and vancouver maybe um but you know i i still feel better about sending my my basketball cards to com c and you know, maybe the fees end up and the foreign exchange ends up working out to be a higher percentage of the sale. But I feel like ComC is going to attract way more eyes than Slab Sharks. But um, I would use, I think, a company like Slab Sharks for um, any upper deck products. So whether that's golf, hockey, whatever, because uh, Canadians love their upper deck. Um, yeah. Hey, real quick, while we're on the, the, the topic of cardboard, Richard. How come he can't find any, I'm going to butcher this name, Ryo Ishikawa cards? Is that how you say his name? I don't even, is that a golfer? It's a golfer. I just pulled it up. Oh. So Richard, my guess is that uh, he does not have any cards and I could be wrong, but if you can't find any of his cards and I'm actually like, as you were asking that question, looked up uh, his name on eBay. It's all just like Beckett authenticated golf balls. Um, my guess is that, um, he doesn't have any cards yet, and that is not uncommon at all. That is very, very common for like we just we spoke at the beginning of the show. Brooks Kepka only has one card, um, so I would not be surprised if uh, 
if he just does not have any cards. And um, maybe he's somebody we, we need to look into, Mike. I don't know if uh, Cardboard so Breakers are trying to stuff like that. I've never even heard of Rio Ishikara. I just looked up um, an article from four <laughs> years ago saying. Uh, Richard says that, he sucks, I guess, but I am Asian. Yeah. So he was one of the first Asians who came so, to the PGA. Fair enough. So it's somebody who is doing well on the Japanese tour. Looks like he won like a handful of tournaments on the Japanese tour and then came to the PGA. Uh, looks sounds like he was a phenom when he was, when he was young, but um you know, sounds like he's in his early 30s now. So, you know, more, more like, you know, Rory Brooks Kapka's age. So, um, you know, us in our 30s feel like we're young, but the, the hot young studs are all like early 20s. So, um, you know, not somebody who like Upper Deck would be looking at these days to try and sign. Okay, back to your Jim Furyk card. I saw your Instagram post uh, about Matthew Wolf's swing. And I feel like Furyk... <laughs> has had a interesting swing as well so absolutely uh, that's why i bought it i, I that's honestly okay. why i bought it i remember watching jim Furyk playing in, in some tournaments years ago and thinking like oh that guy that's weird but it, it just yeah. i'm fascinated by something that's weird but works for someone and so when matthew wolf came out like all guns blazing won his second tournament on tour was like ahead of murakawa and stuff in terms of like hype and then just totally dropped off. Um, I ended up PCing him because, you know, I bought some of his cards when they were really expensive and I just watched the prices kept dropping. I'm like, man, I love this guy. I can keep buying his cards at reasonable prices. And as a collector, that's all you can ask for. And, um, and it's, it's, it was really because of his swing. I just, I was fascinated. And I drew the exact same parallel. I don't know if there's a, you know, vintage or, or, or older golfer that I could compare uh, that would be better than Jim, Jim Furyk. Yeah. All right. Real quick. So, um, as far as Ishikawa goes, Cardboard Richard says he's like a Tiger Woods of Japan. So that's that's interesting. Um, and then uh, maybe he'll get an SI for kids card. Who knows? Michael Block is another name. Evan Bell threw out Michael. Oh Block. yeah. What he's got? He's got a custom made card, which I would stay my Michael Block does away from. But that uh, is hilarious. Yeah. Custom made retro style art card, fourteen ninety nine. So Michael Block, what if somebody probably is trying to capitalize and make a Michael Block custom card literally within the last three days? Because he was not even, not let alone a household name. He was not even like on the map of any PGA players a week ago. Wow. So do, did you? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the story about Michael Block. For those who are listening, uh, anybody who's a golf fan or was paying attention for the last week probably already knows this, but um, he's a PGA professional uh, teacher. So he he's like a, a, a pro for some golf course, um, gives lessons for hundred bucks an hour like that. that that's his day job. Um, he's won some kind of local events and just kind of kept climbing um yeah he's a club pro he 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 gives uh lessons for a living so anyways he um qualified you know for a for a, a pga championship qualifier then he either won the pga qualifier or you know came top couple and, and ended up qualifying for the pga then um in after the first round i think he was like either leading or he was like tied for the lead and then after round two, he was like fourth and in the mix going into the weekend. Um, 
at round three, he played pretty well. He was still in the top 10. He got paired with Rory McIlroy. And he has this personality that was so engaging. Like, he just tells it like it is. There was no filter, but not not in, like, a rough kind of way, but more in, like, a genuine kind of, like, wholesome way. And that's why people were really attracted to him. And you could tell he's, like, 47 or something. So he's by no means a, a, a prospect. But but you like look at his face, he kind of looks like a rough around the edges kind of older guy to me anyways, because, you know, he's more than a decade older than me. And I, I, I look at him and I think like, oh, he'd be a fun guy to go grab a beer with. But then you hear him talk and it just brings almost brings tears to your eye. Like he he how did this. So so he just talked about the experience. He's taking it, taking it all in. Somebody asked him, like, what's going to be your plan for, you know, prep work? And he's like, I'm just going to walk around because this is crazy to be here. And then. um and, and, and then uh, on Saturday night, they asked him, uh, how, how do you feel about being paired with Rory? And he's like, Rory? Like, for real? I'm paired with Rory? No, <laughs> really? He, he was just super pumped. And so he had this kind of like buildup. Then on, I think it was either like a 13 hole, par three, hole in one on Sunday. And people lost That's it. That's amazing. So, yeah. And then he, he received after all this hype, he's all over social media, uh, got received a special invitation to play in this week's PGA event. I forget which what the name of the event is. So so there's this like massive Michael Block hype going on right now. Everybody wants to see him. That's great. Love it. I hope he does get a card. Let's make make that happen. Upper deck. All right. Uh, you wanted to talk about Colin Morikawa under the buy category. Yeah. So, um Colin Morikawa, I think um, he, he's more acclaimed than I expected. So he's obviously like a leader on the PGA Tour. I didn't realize like in 20, what year was it? Um, last season or the season before? He won the season-long race to Dubai, which is the DP World Tour, which used to be the European Tour. He, he won the whole freaking thing. And he's, he's not even a full-time member on their tour. Like he, maybe he's a full-time member in terms of like winning and accolades, <laughs> but I mean, his day job is playing on the PGA tour and he just goes to Europe every now and then plays, wins an event and then, be, you know, wins the, the, in the, in the points or the money, money list or whatever they use to keep track of their leaders. Um, I think Rory's won it before, but that one makes more sense because he is a European. So, um, you know, I, I just thought that was pretty cool that, uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't aware that he, he was so acclaimed worldwide. And then I missed out on a retro star, star rubies numbered out of 50, uh, Morikawa. And that just, I, I want to like him, but I keep, things keep happening for me to not, not be a Morikawa collector. So, um, all right. Sure. I think I might, I might have to, I might have to do some digging on some Morikawa. Um, under your cells, you had, you had Kepka. Um, we talked about that earlier on in the show and you kind of yeah. already made the point. We talked about the sports illustrated for kids prices, the signed flag that you saw more than three times, uh, John Rahm's prices, anything else you wanted to add? So are you, we talked about it maybe being a buy, um, earlier. What do you, what's your take on Kepka? Are we selling? If, if you own the SI for kids cards, do you sell it? But then if you don't own it, do you examine it as a potential quick flip? If he continues to be hot in the majors this year? Yeah. Um, so I, I need to like, I'll probably say this in every episode, but I'm a collector. So like, I, I don't care about flipping and making money as much, but you know, if, 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 if an investor flipper wanted some advice, I would say 
you know, a couple days after somebody wins the PGA championships, always the best time to sell. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, I don't see it being a card like the women Yama that's just going to just completely drop off the face of the planet. But I would say right now it's probably a local high and then it'll probably fade off. And then as we approach the U S open, maybe, or the, uh, you know, maybe it'll start to climb, especially if Brooks does well, it could, you know, be a higher peak. Um, but if you wanted to buy this card, I would wait until the off season. Um, yeah, I, I think this week's the time to sell, you know, if you wait a couple weeks, maybe not the best time to sell. Cool. So we're about to get into the watch list. Cardboard Richard says, go get this one, guys. 2021 Metal Universe Colin Morikawa Retro Star Rubies Auto SGC 910 Auto. Why do yeah, I feel I like that, that is massively expensive? Is it? I saw that one. So, so there's a couple things about this card. Um, it's a sticker auto. Um, it's from his rookie year. So like you could say it's it's one of his rookie cards. Um, it doesn't say rookie on it. Um there's this weird thing about star rubies the the non-auto versions are super popular um i love them uh they're they're highly sought after the star rubies autos aren't as much and i don't know why they don't sell for massive amounts and maybe they will and maybe it is a good buying opportunity um i think it has to do with aesthetics though like personally speaking i like the look of the card without the autograph Mm-hmm. with the autograph it just you can yeah click that's the one right there just click on it um yeah I, uh to me, it's 23 dollars with uh 23.50 three days left three so a card like that so i mean if i were to guess this is going to sell for over 100 bucks um yeah i it could be cool though could be a good first one for me and if it's numbered out of 10 then you know, it could definitely sell for a decent amount. I've seen some of these Star Rubies autos that I, I didn't think they were. Yeah, are, it's are not numbered. because the SGC slab, and this is something I'll say, I I do like the that SGC on the label says when it's numbered. PSA does not do mm. that. Um, mm. So this one's not numbered, but it's a good, I mean, so is it's more not portable than it. says it's, well, it, it, I don't see a serial number on the zoomed in photo. Go to the back side. Is there any number back there? I don't see one. I could be missing one, but huh? Yeah. So it says numbered. Oh, it says nine slash ten. So it's not a card out of ten. It got an SGC nine and a ten auto. So right. yeah, that's it, right. It, that validates what I was saying. These are not numbered, so we don't know how many there are. Whereas the base non-autographed Star Rubies, um, we know there's only fifty copies of it, so maybe a little more collectible because that's transparent. I don't imagine there's more than 50 of this autographed version. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an awesome looking card. I would love to have it in my collection. I don't know if the Star Rubies is a autographed uh, type of insert in terms of like collectability. And the fact that it's a sticker auto also is a little bit of a turnoff. Um, but overall, the card's awesome. And if I could get it for less than 100 bucks, I probably would. Um, I imagine this will sell for 125 Cool. All right. So uh, you, wow. Oh, you had the same card, but it's out of, yeah, you had a PSA nine on your watch list. That's no, that the, the PSA nine was an autograph though. I don't think. Okay. Gotcha. Or check it out. Yeah. Something's happening with my oh. URLs. Uh, 
So on the watch list, um, I, I think I mislabeled it. it. It's not the number out of 50. I think it was like a number out of 75 or numbered out of a hundred. So with the star rubies parallels, um, I, this kind of thing, I'm almost nervous to say because um, it's kind of like a little secret and I like to know it myself so that I, I get the cards I want whenever they show Come up. Come on, Mike, be valuable to the audience, man. Exactly. You can't I'll have share. a podcast and not share I know, your I know, secrets. I know, I know, I know. I'll share my knowledge. So there's multiple parallels of the star rubies. This one, I believe, is like numbered out of 75 or 100. You could probably see it. It's on the back. It'll be on the back on, along one of the edges. What number to 100? There you go. So this is out of 100. The numbered out of 50 is the retro style. And just like PMGs, it's the retro version that people are most interested in. Whereas the numbered out of 75, numbered out of 100 has this um, scope prism look to it if you ever collect like the the asia t-mall sets of like basketball and other other sports mm -hmm. you can see like these little little um x's or, or crosses and it's kind of shiny whereas the retro star rubies has this like leopard look to it um so this one is going to sell for less much less than the number of 50 and not just because the serial number is higher, but, but also because it's not a retro style. Cool. That's great insights. And I love, I actually still love the card. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, all right. So in terms of, uh, what else is on the watch list here? So we got the Morikawas. So the first, um, I'll, just, I'll go through a couple cause I know we're short for yeah. time. So I saw a Sahith Tigala PMG one of one come up his purple PMG, uh, Sahith Tigala is actually a pretty major prospect. Like his cards are selling for a lot. Um, his cards are pretty much only in Goodwin Champions and uh, Metal Universe Champions. Uh, he wasn't printed in Upper Deck Artifacts or SP Authentic or anything like that. So there's less of his cards out there, which makes them you know higher value for the ones he has. And um, and he's playing well. He won a, an event in like a team event, like uh, him and another guy playing uh, like a scramble type thing. And he's been, you know, finishing top tens pretty regularly. Um, I, he's the kind of guy who could possibly make like the, the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup. Um, and he's also, I mean, not to, to bring race into this, but he's, he's you know, sort of a guy of color, like yeah, like Indonesian or, or, or East Indian uh, descent or something like that. And, and, uh, and, and whenever there's somebody who's uh, becoming highly successful in a, in a sport that's so dominant, by middle-aged white guys um yeah i i mean e even i am, am more attracted to that because it's it's more interesting story you know that he probably didn't have the easiest um rise to fame um it sounds like his background wasn't from like a wealthy family so um he, he's the kind of guy that like checks a lot of boxes in terms of you know rooting him on and, and hoping he does yeah. well and, and he is um doing pretty well so uh his pmg purple one of one just like the matthew wolf that i bought showed up on an auction and I watched it and I was like, I, I, I want to win this card, but I'm not going to spend too much money. And the other reason I was watching it is I wanted to know if I overpaid for my Matthew Wolf. So I, I paid 276 for my Matthew Wolf. The Sahith Tagala sold for 955. So I, it validated. I felt way better about how much I spent on the Matthew Wolf. Yeah. Um, somebody spent almost a grand on this prospects one of one. Yeah, that's uh 
That's a lot. I mean, it tell, definitely tells you, even though it was a PMG one of one, it's still, it's still a lot. It tells you that, yeah, he's definitely a prospect people are interested in. Okay, cool. We got, we got a few more and then we'll, and then we'll wrap it. So, so uh, that, that Michael Jordan, April Fool's card, the uh, CSG seven, I have uh PSA nine sold for 220 bucks. Um, so that's pretty cool. I mean, if, if I were to get that for, I think I bid 150 on it. So uh, seemed like a, a fun auction to follow. Um, there was another Daniel Berger rookie auto PSA 10. Um, and it was actually the inscribed version. So the ones that I have don't have any inscription. It's just like the base rookie auto version. Um, this car came up with, uh, it said, I think it said rookie of the year. Um, scroll down. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Uh, 2014 yeah, ROI cool inscription. Yeah. rookie of the year. Um, and it's also a PSA 10. So, um, I won this auction <laughs> Nice, because I got two of his base auto PSA 10s. And like I told you, I think this guy's going to come back from injury and play really well. And his value and stock is going to spike. So I threw a bid of like 50 bucks or something on this. I won it for $41. And because it's com C, I don't have to pay shipping and I can use comp C credit to buy this card and pay for the auction rather than having to cash out and then use my Canadian money and miss out on foreign exchange. And there's all kinds of benefits once you have credit in comp C to, to buy from comp C. So there was a lot of things going for the auction for me. So, um, so yeah. Well one, done. Uh, well done, Mike. Thank you. Love that. And then lastly, there's, I think this one might even be a current auction. There's a Rory McElroy autograph um, on auction. Think it's at like three hundred dollars right now. It's a really Ooh, cool like looking gold kind of gold foil. Um, is that one a um, uh, exquisite? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it it's exquisite collection. Yeah. There you go. So it's an exquisite brand, which is which carries like high value in, in our in our sport. Um, autograph on card might even be from his rookie year. I don't know if it's like twenty thirteen or something like that. Um, so I messaged it the is. seller. It is 2013. There you go. So this might even be considered his rookie card. Um, I messaged the seller and asked him if he would accept, uh, an offer before there were any bids on it. And he said he had this posted on eBay on buy it now or best offer. And he received, uh, a dozen offers, but nothing higher than he either said 400 or 450. So he said he thought he would get more at auction. So, for those who are listening, looks like he want... probably will. Not yeah. much more, but looks like he probably will. Two days left, 16 bids, $313. So we'll probably do For those that. listening, if you want to throw a bid of $410, and if you were to win it, you know there's definitely people who would offer you 450 for it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Love that. Uh, I like this card. This would be a card that I would consider buying. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more than I want to spend on a golf card currently, but I've, but I've been, there's been pockets of time when I've considered golf cards uh, like this because, because it is Rory. I mean, you know, to spend this much money, I would, I'd probably want to get a guy like him, uh, like, like, like invested in, in a tiger or, or, you know, or somebody like a Rory um, cardboard. Richard likes it. He likes it. Was eyeing that same card for Tiger, so yeah, that one for Tiger's probably three times the price, I would guess. Um, the but, um, the gold foiling, by the way, is um, easy. Um, I think during the manufacturing process, 
to chip and when they cut the card it it, it, it isn't like a perfectly straight line yeah. so there's a reason when you see these gold exquisite autos listed on ebay that they're not graded so you know if you come across these to our listeners don't don't think you can pick this up submit it get a psa 9 or 10 and and you know double your money because they're more likely to get like a six or seven or an eight love it good good advice good advice all right mike anything else you want to add for episode seven of the golf card strategy show well we ran out of time so there are a few things i wanted to mention but i won't get into all of them um I, I, the one thing I wanted to say, just because it's timely, so the, the Toronto uh, Expo, which is a big sports card show for Canada, uh, it's really hard for somebody like me to go. In fact, it would be easier for somebody who lives in the eastern United States to go there than it would be for me because I live further away at the other end of the country in Canada. Um, but there is a guy uh, named Eugene Kim who went there. Um, Eugene, uh, if you're listening, um, you know, good uh, – Thank you for promoting golf cards. He blew. He, he went and spent like tens of thousands of dollars on golf wax, and he ripped them open. So this is this is the kind of story I love to see. Um, so he he ripped up some uh, artifacts and some SP game used, and he pulled a Tiger Woods auto numbered out of four, which was um, like a buyback kind of card. Like it was an older. Uh, older tiger woods card that upper deck acquired had tiger sign it number it out of four and then they randomly inserted it into new sets so um and it did have like an upper deck uh certification on the card so that that card i i would say is is a huge card like maybe five to ten grand for the right buyer um and then the other one he pulled was a jack nicholas one of one auto from artifacts so good job eugene i i just that that story was too good not to share that's awesome that's awesome all right well uh golf cards they're on the rise baby it's golf season we want to know what you're doing with golf cards and your golf card strategy there's a lot to get done mike lacusta is phenomenal at helping you find cards right in that pocket of like you know 20 to 80 bucks like that i mean he's good at helping you find a lot of different stuff but i've just noticed that my my co-host here is uh, is amazing at uh, scouting it out. So I feel like honing in on the watch list, honing in on uh, ways to help you collect and flip are things we're going to continue to do. Thanks again for all of your support, everybody. We'd love it if you uh, drop a comment, drop a like, drop a subscribe. Check out Mike on Instagram, golf underscore card underscore collector on youtube golf card collector although he's not making any promises for the quality of the content there and then the golf cards and memorabilia group on facebook we'd love to see all of you there um next episode we will see if i have purchased my first golf card yet or not everybody thanks so much and have a great day Bye.